welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Bitcoin Magazine Live. I am your host, Q, coming to you once again from my mother's basement, and I am joined by my co-host, my fellow one-letter extraordinaire. How goes it, P? It goes fantastically. I'm excited. It's October 31st. It is Bitcoin White Paper Day. I'm ready to fucking go. Let's kick things off with some Bitcoin Magazine news. P, are you ready? Absolutely. Chris, are you ready? Absolutely. Well, then let's kick things off on this Monday, October 31st. And I think we should obviously kick things off with the fact that I lost a bet. Looks like Elon did, in fact, close his deal to buy Twitter. And I need to send P420 sats. But that is correct, that, sir. Mm, minor details. Generational wealth, though, I might add. But you're, you're welcome for 10 generations of P's in the future. Anyways. Elon Musk now is Twitter's new owner, Twitter's new daddy. The endless months of litigation back and forth has come to an end. Elon has hit the floor running, firing CEO Parag Agrawal, firing CFO Ned Siegel, then firing the top legal and policy executive Vijaya Gade and Sean Edgett the general counsel. Vijaya, I hope I'm pronouncing your name. I apologize if I am not. She was the leader or one of the largest voices in deplatforming Donald Trump. So that was making a big stir. Some people were very upset over this. Others were very happy applauding the decision. It remains to see what is going to happen in the future. I will say that some of the some of the salary that has gotten trimmed as a result of this should hopefully lead Twitter to becoming a lot more profitable. I know we saw some weird contractual clauses that would say, oh, Parag would get a $60 million payout. And I saw somewhere recently that Elon is working towards paying Parag absolutely $0 of his $60 plus million payout if he were to be removed from CEO without cause. There there are conversations about reinstated accounts potentially coming back online today. We have not, as of this recording, seen any of these accounts be reinstated. However, Elon has announced sort of his smorgasbord of people and a committee to start discussing sort of Twitter's future and plans. I'm going to move the other two Twitter stories up real quick, guys. Pete, do, do, do you want to talk a little bit about that panel or actually talk about some of the people who aren't on said panel or group with Elon for the Twitter board. Absolutely. So SBF, our favorite evil multi-billionaire, reportedly reached out to Elon Musk and asked to be part of the party. Elon Musk rejected Sam Bankman-Fried's offer of up to $15 billion dollars to provide financing for the Twitter acquisition. It's been said that the Twitter war room, which is, you know, their sort of like highest level leadership is Musk, David Sachs, Jason Kalkanis, Sarum Krishnan, and then Elon's legal and finance guys, Spiro and Brashal, and a fleet of Tesla boring company engineers. This is pretty interesting because there is a lot of obviously money involved and the fact that he told them to GTFO, I'm not actually sure exactly what to make of it, but it it's, Pretty striking. Binance gave $500 million USD for this Twitter financing deal. You know, another thing that I find particularly interesting here is that this entire crew is made up of shitcoiners. 
Obviously, Elon Musk is a notorious Dogecoin shill. He likes to frame it as like, oh, I just do whatever is funniest, but really it's it's bullshit. There's a lot of people who got absolutely, totally wrecked based on the way that he talked about Dogecoin, hence our thumbnail today where we are making fun of that. Sachs is a, you know, another shitcoiner. Calcanus, also a shitcoiner. Krishnan, he's a partner at A16Z, which is just a fucking, you know, bed of snakes. The snakes themselves are shitcoiners. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Twitter, what happens with the space. I expect to see a lot of things, a lot of features being pushed out that are designed specifically to support the overall narrative that the shitcoin space is reasonable and rational and not a terrible thing, which of course it is. My costume today, by the way, I look like a total douchebag. I am a shitcoiner. I've got my blue hair, my sunglasses on, my my crazy robe. I'm not wearing a shirt, you know, just because that's how shitcoiners do. So as ridiculous as I look, this is meant to be a incredibly accurate commentary on everyone that's involved with the, the shitcoin ecosystem. Q, Chris, who are you representing today with your incredible costumes? I say this with nothing but love and respect for you, P, but you look like a fucking fairy, you pixie. <laughs> for those who are listening to the recording of this later, because we are going to be releasing this as its own podcast now, a new segment. I highly recommend you actually pop on over to our YouTube channel just to see the costume P is wearing. I mean, I I am just, you know, fossil fuel's daddy over here as a dinosaur. Chris, what are you? I am Jerome Powell, stressed out Jerome Powell, you know, not wearing the tie, a little cracking, cracking open a bottle. Yeah, that's right. Get it down. I'm drinking on to- the job. I'm stressed how the economy's going, you know. He's the pain. He's the pain. I would like to put on record IQ fully sober for this episode. <laughs> Yo, me too, man. Jerome Powell, however, not so not, much. Not so much. I have a not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um we got one more thing on Twitter. I just want to present it and then let's go round table on this because I saw Sailor actually was putting out some comments on this in particular. Jason Calacanis, one of the people that P you mentioned, Jason Calacanis, I know you are a longtime viewer and listener of the show. You are always welcome to come on to this show and discuss Bitcoin with us. But he sent out a tweet with a little bit of a, what are, what are those polls, questions, a whatever, poll. a poll asking how much would you be willing to pay for Twitter verification? And the options went range from 20, 10, 5 to absolutely not. Worth pointing out that of the 1 million people who submitted a response, when I submitted my response of none, 80% of people also said, no, I'm not paying for verification. You can just take my check mark away. So my and they question- were like, that's very interesting. Go fuck yourselves. We're charging $20 a month for verification. Like, he was like, course, I also don't have a check mark to lose. So there's always that. I don't care. <laughs> uh, they keep rejecting me every time I request a uh, verification. I, well, like, yeah, at this point, sense. I'm just like, I, I give up. I am a piece of shit. I haven't written enough. Like, I guess there, there are more, there are a lot more cues out there than I would like to believe. So I'm not as unique as my mom made me believe when I was a child. <laughs> but Sorry, it bro. does open the door, I think, for... Like, A, we now know for certain that Elon wants to introduce some sort of a subscription model within within the Twitter sort of ecosystem. And if that means having having people pay to be a verified account or just, I don't know, talk to your buddy Michael Saylor about the orange checkmark system 
and have everyone input a certain number of sats and we can move on from this hellscape. My fear, and this is like, it's a silly fear to have because if this is what you're afraid of, then like innovate better should, should be your response. But if Elon were to fully grasp the orange check mark sort of theory, it's a terrible idea. Do you think instead of using an orange check mark, he would just literally create like a doge icon icon and it would just be a doge thing? The, the orange check mark is a fucking like you put Bitcoin in your bio or you if the community knows who you are. Uh, we do not need a fucking Bitcoin check no, mark. No, 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 on Twitter. no, that's not what the orange check mark is. Oh, what's the orange, orange check mark? The orange check mark essentially would require when you create an account to enter in a minimum number of sats that when you close the account out, you could theoretically have that removed or you send like one sat per tweet that you send out out of the pool that you had to enter to create this account to further circumvent spam and like disincentivize people from creating spam accounts. I don't think you have to tie that to somebody's, the, the account creation process. I do love the idea of putting a an economic cost on sending messages. I mean, the bot situation on Twitter is fucking crazy. There was like a brief moment where it was like on Friday where it was like, oh shit, did something happen? The bots are not as as intense. And then of course we're back, we're back to usual. Oh, it's just, just gotten worse. The last, yeah. like over the weekend and today it's been- It's absolutely worse. extreme. So we, I want to time out and address one thing. No, in 72 hours, Elon did not just go into the source code and like change the code so that your algorithm changed. Like, I'm sorry, but no. That didn't happen. I'm so stoked that like I saw someone commenting on like a Max Kaiser tweet being like, oh, like your tweets are showing up in my timeline now. Like, thank God I know, Elon's here. Absolute like, insanity. Also, what? Wait, also, Elon Musk is not our fucking savior. He's a piece of shit, just like everybody else, right? He is he has cost people, I mean, what, billions of dollars in his bullshit doge pump. So, like, let's be clear, do not put people on pedestals. They will disappoint you. Code is law. Believe in Bitcoin. That's the way to go. Speaking of which, we forgot to mention this at the top. I do want to acknowledge not only is today, October 31st, All Hallows Eve, hence our you know outfits and Chris's rampant alcoholism, but it is also white paper day. What does that mean? Um, this is the day that we as Bitcoiners celebrate where Satoshi Nakamoto, still anonymous to this day, released the Bitcoin white paper. This was a document that laid out in a very, very simplistic way the key innovations of Bitcoin. And it took a while for it to become understood, for it to become acknowledged, but it set, it kicked off a snowball, which has now turned into the massive system that we are all excited about and has the chance to, you know, free us from financial apartheid that we interact with today. So it's a huge deal. He dropped it innocuously on, you know, the cryptography mailing list, and we've kind of spiraled in the most magical way from there. But this is not Halloween. This is Bitcoin white paper day, the day that Satoshi Nakamoto deployed the Bitcoin white paper. And if you have not read it yet, I would highly encourage you to do so. There's a lot of um, kind of like hype around the white paper. And I think one of the things that's so interesting about it is what it doesn't do, what it does not articulate. Shinobi wrote a fantastic piece for Bitcoin Magazine, which I think came out today, maybe yesterday, about the Bitcoin white paper. And there's a, there's so much hype that that gets 
pushed into Bitcoin and Satoshi Nakamoto, people love to frame it as like, he was a genius from beyond the grave who foresaw every possible outcome. And the reality is he was a fucking genius, but he was just a dude. And there's stuff that's in the Bitcoin white paper, which has to this day still not been implemented in Bitcoin. And that's totally fine because we're always improving the network as a whole as we go forward. But check it out. Again, if you go to bitcoinmagazine.com, there's a couple articles right now about that are up on the main sort of, you know, hero nav that are about the Bitcoin white paper. I highly recommend reading the Shinobi one specifically. Oh, we want to do that story right now. Okay. I want to address one of the questions that got thrown up and we're going to put it on the screen as well. I want to point out, we saw some people outside of Twitter HQ, I think on Friday or Thursday of last week, claiming to be, you know, laid off employees of Twitter. Let me just point something out. Their last names combined were Ligma Johnson. Ligma Johnson. Ligma yeah. balls. Literally mainstream media is looking for these narratives and these, these people brilliant. Like my hats off to you both gentlemen. I hope you made every single one of your friends laugh when they saw the video of you because truly brilliant. Because mainstream media didn't even bother to fact check. They didn't even bother to look at, let's just see who Twitter employees are. It was, oh, these guys said they were. So like, let's put them on CNN. Let's put them on. Oh. Yeah. 100%. By the way, if you have not seen these videos, go check them out. They're absolutely hilarious. It's people just claiming the most insane shit. Like, I'm actually forgetting. What was the specific one, the most popular one? My favorite was, I just don't know how I'm going to pay my Tesla or I need to go talk to my husband. My, I didn't talk to my wife, husband, about what has happened and figure out art. Yeah, so it's basically just people who, you know, are trolling the mainstream media, and I am here for it. Um, mainstream media is not here to promote the truth, as is the case in any system, including us. They are here to promote their own engagement with their stories, and you. It, but that's not how it is. That's not how it is presented to you. It's presented as these are facts. Internalize them. Don't question them. Fucking you know, be a sheeple. And you should never do that. You should be questioning everything that you read, everything that you see. You know, don't trust, verify every story. But I thought this was brilliant. It actually made me sad that I was not still in San Francisco because it would have been hilarious to go down there and do the same thing. I would have, <sighs> but I digress. I would have paid good money to see that. Yeah. Just be pretending to be a, a homeless, laid-off former Twitter exec. But yeah, I would have. Let's move on. Chris, you've got a story for us. Yes. So stable sats are live. What are stable sats? So the Bitcoin Beach Wallet team released stable sats. It's basically a way to convert seamlessly between U.S. dollar balance and Bitcoin dollar balance. What is the purpose of this? You know, Bitcoin, one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. What's the purpose of this? Well, in a lot of developing nations, when they live paycheck to paycheck, if they're living on a living wage of 400 US dollars per month, it is very, very difficult for them in order to, you know, if their bills are $400 and they're only making $400, it's very hard to save in Bitcoin. So it's a way of co having people get digital dollars or the demand for it. As you can see, Bitcoin is obviously the highest asset in the cryptocurrency space. Of in the top 10, I think like seven of them are stable. So there's a demand for dollars. We talk about the dollar milkshake theory about how U.S. denominated debt is required around the world. When you take out debt in U.S. dollars, you need to pay it back in U.S. dollars. You can't pay it back in Bitcoin. I know that there's some caveats. Some cities and or states are leaning to accept Bitcoin as payments for taxes and purposes. But don't give the government your sats. Keep those in cold storage. So the optionality that they are trying to do is they're trying to allow a seamless transition of digital dollars. 
And when you have a little bit of extra money in your US dollar balance, you can easily convert it over to SAT. I have a kind of contrarian take. I understand the necessity for dollars in emerging markets and their need for dollars. I don't want to denounce that and say, you know, they don't need that. But I, I find it dangerous is exactly what happened to the ETH community when they are like 40% of the validators are in the United States. So now the U.S. government is basically co-opting it and saying that they own all transactions. They have to be OFAC compliant. If you add stable coins or U.S. dollar balance onto lightning channels or nodes or wallets, what's to prevent the U.S. government from saying, oh, you guys are transacting USD across all these different platforms? You know, we're going to co-opt this and you have to be in compliance with us. So I think it's it is a slippery slope and a dangerous precedent putting stable coins on lightning. I know that's also what tarot is. Maybe that's contrary to what other people believe, but P and Q, I'd love your thoughts on all of this. I think you, you laid it up very well. Like this is a necessary tool for people while we have such a great privilege to, you know, have lived in a country with, you know, our own currency and the global reserve currency, like most other places in the world just don't have that same opportunity. So there is also just an awareness that is necessary that like, you know, these, these systems, while they are meant to be done for good reasons, can unfortunately get co-opted and taken by bad actors or just, you know, nation states if the opportunity is there. Just a reminder that, you know, nobody, not Elon Musk, not the government, not even your fucking neighbor, like truly has your best interest in mind. They are always going to prioritize themselves first. And you need to also be prioritizing yourself, your safety, and your family's safety. So tread lightly and cautiously. This is an exciting development, but I think the main point here is this is not the end all be all. Yep. P, let's talk some a little bit more upbeat fun news. Yeah, absolutely. There is a story which I thoroughly enjoyed reading about. There is a sweater that has been developed by the University of Maryland, which acts as a, it's basically cryptic patterning that is designed to break the AI systems that identify humans while you're wearing it. So there's a whole genre of devices, patterns, and things like that, that are designed to circumvent the Orwellian systems that are being developed in places like China. They're happening all over the world, but they are very publicly deployed in China where everybody's movements are being tracked. And so more specifically, this is a sweater, you wear it, has a crazy pattern on it, and it means that the systems that are designed to track where you're moving cannot actually effectively do that. There are other systems like this where, you know, there's special hats that you wear that have IR lenses that blind cameras that are that are tracking you. So basically, if you're looking through a, a video feed, you can't see the person's face. I think technologies like this are going to become more and more important as we proceed down this you know, hyperinflating world, this uh, crazy macroeconomic environment. One thing that uh, is, I think is a particularly interesting, um, how do I, what's the right word? An example of, I think what could happen in the future is, you know, in the, you know, late nineties, it was illegal in the UK to wear a hoodie because they had, because of the conflict between, you know, the UK and the Irish Republican army, the IRA, and the bombs that were being, you know, detonated and the, you know, sort of terrorism issues there, they banned or, you know, purported terrorism, they banned the people wearing hoodies to obscure their faces because in central London, the CCTV systems were so advanced that every single person who moved in and out of central London was being tracked. So 
these types of systems, research needs to continue there, but also be ready for the government to portray these types of things as like, oh, in the same way that it's like, oh, you don't need, you don't have anything to hide if you if you're not a terrorist. Systems that preserve your privacy will be and will continue to be presented as things that only bad people use and engage with. Protect your privacy. It's a human right. Don't let the government convince you that they need to know everything that you do at all times. Definitely. You want me to play 10 seconds of the video to show? Yeah, go for it. All right. Quick 10 seconds here. Very, very cool stuff. So as you can see, when he was holding up, there was a blue box around him before he put it up and then opened it up and obscured his vision or the camera did not recognize him as a person. So very, very interesting for sure. So I wear a size large in case either of you guys wanted to buy me a Christmas present. (laughs) By the way, the other thing I want to point out is this is going to be like sort of an evolutionary arms race, right? These types of patterns, these types of technologies, whether it's just patterns on clothing, whether it is, you know, you know, LED lights that can't be seen by a normal human. These systems, these AI systems get updated to account for them. So it's going to be this ongoing kind of battle. But I think that we're going to start to see more and more people who are actively promoting them in the same way that, you know, we see people actively promoting the 3D gun printing community, which I think is super important for our freedoms. So just be ready. Be ready. Wanna, oh, in that vein, P, I want to just point out that these are algorithms that are just, you know, learning. At a certain point, I think it's a fair conclusion to say that, you know, the algorithm will figure out these patterns. Like they will eventually. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Well, then it's just constantly adapting. So exactly. there's new things that come out, new things that get produced, and then it goes from there. So it, the buck will not stop here. Like this is just no, fuck sort of, we, this we is are only the beginning. That. I got a quick one, just an update on the Riot blockchain gigawatt factory. They broke ground, I believe today it was, or over the weekend, but this is exciting. This will be the largest ever Bitcoin mining factory, a one gigawatt factory at Corusicana, Texas, which is like an hour outside of Dallas. So uh, you just got to say it with confidence, Corsicana. And then if you're wrong, nobody cares. All right. For all our listeners out of Corsicana, Texas, I apologize. Feel free to DM me how to pronounce your great city properly. You're wrong. Q got it right. Next story. Web 5 is fucking happening. Ion V2, which is a system that is built on top of Sphinx Chat, which is a system that leverages the Bitcoin Lightning Network and allows, you know, secure messaging, all sorts of stuff is being built out. Jack Dorsey recently tweeted about it, which is fucking awesome. With Zion V2, you can log into any website on the web without creating an account. That's the, the the promise of it, the idea. You can switch to new streaming services and keep your preferences. You can potentially leave Twitter and things like Instagram and take all your connections with you. So again, these are Web 5.0, which is a brilliant troll by Jack Dorsey, basically saying like, why, why Web 3.0? Let's just fucking skip all the way to the end. Web 5.0. They're building out systems that are actually decentralized as opposed to what is being presented and, you know, shilled by people like Elon Musk and all the AC. 816Z crowd around a kind of like faux decentralization. So block the work that Jack Dorsey is doing over there is really, really interesting and compelling. And apps like Zion V2 are going to become more and more important as we go forward. So check that out. I believe it's still in, you know, beta. It's still being developed, but I hope to see more and more of that work being done and systems that leverage all of the groundbreaking work that Jack Dorsey's plethora of organizations, everything they're doing over at Spiral, are laying the groundwork for. So props to them, props to Zion, props to to Justin Rosvani, who's the CEO of Zion. I want to see more. I want to see faster. 
Let's fucking go. Bigger, better, faster, stronger. Shout out, Kanye. <laughs> um, I want to talk about a story that we did not discuss last week, but deserves a lot of care and attention. So buried deep in a 61-page report released by the U.S. Attorney General, the Biden administration called for a dramatic expansion in the federal government's ability to seize and keep cryptocurrencies. What's really going on here is that essentially there is a forfeiture of up to a civil asset forfeiture of around $500,000. Where it gets a little muddy and murky is that no judge has to decide the forfeiture of these assets. It's actually just the seizing agency. So if the IRS says, oh, hey, we're going to take this $500,000, that's it. No judge gets to make the determination. It's your shitty neighborhood, IRS, CIA, FBI, whatever agency, they get to make that call. Where it gets even more disturbingly disgusting is there is also a clause included not just for any agency to just you know just go ahead do you think they you should take 500k from them do it do it that 500k limit currently applies to cryptocurrencies however the attorney general wants to lift the five hundred thousand dollar cap for cryptocurrency and other digital assets even if congress refuses to act Thanks to a law enacted by last year, the Secretary of Treasury, you know, Janet Yellen, could simply end the cap by adopting new regulation. There's something we need to like really unpack here. And that is people we did not elect pushing forward laws we did not vote for that immediately and directly impact and attack citizens. I didn't know I lived in communist China. Am I wrong? Am I being extreme? I mean, yes, technically you are wrong. You do not actually live in communist China. Literally, figuratively, figuratively, yes. And I mean, look, I would expect nothing less from the man who picked to marry Janet Yellen during Fuck, Mary Kills. So some bias over there from the shit corner. No, but look, uh, this is super fucked up. Civil asset forfeiture is absolute garbage. If you do not know what it is, you need to understand it and look it up right now. The vast majority of you know police departments have been financing themselves using this system. And again, to repeat what Q has said, the way that this country was founded, you are supposed to be able, the idea is you are guilty, sorry, you are, you are innocent until proven guilty. Civil asset forfeiture completely reverses that. You are essentially guilty until proven innocent. It means that basically the law enforcement agencies can go in and say, we think you did a fucked up thing, so now we're taking all of your assets. And hist- until now, or if you know if this doesn't pass, you couldn't do that with cryptocurrencies. You are going, they're going to be able to do that in the future. Now, there's been backlash on this, and so police departments have been doing this to a, a slightly lesser degree, but it is incredibly fucked up. And what they do is they seize assets for people that they think may be involved in something. So it's like you get pulled over. You get pulled over by a cop. They're like, hey, what are these, The anything, this car, we think that you did something bad, so we're going to confiscate your car. No charges filed. You then have to go through a lengthy legal process in order to get your personal property back. In the meantime, if you don't do that, and most people don't because it is incredibly expensive, then after a certain period of time, 
that the police agency is able to basically just auction those assets off. So they stop you, they invade your house, they seize those assets. And if you don't go through a lengthy legal process, even if you're, they're getting no charges filed. If you don't go through a lengthy legal process to get uh, that property back, then those agencies are able to, after a certain period of time, it's something like six months, I'm making that up, it might be longer, it might be shorter, they then auction it off and they keep that money. So it's so fucked up. And we're now seeing this, the Biden administration, fuck them, is in the process of implementing this for cryptocurrencies. Now, the it's much more difficult to implement in something like Bitcoin, especially if you're using, if you you know have your own keys and if you are using things like multi-sig, which we talk about a lot on the show, because it's very difficult for them to actually seize those things. They can't literally auction them off, but expect it, it's coming. We need to be ready and we need to be planning accordingly. Yeah, no, P, I think you said it brilliantly. And also it, to point out one other thing, to your point, like I think there's gonna be a learning curve. Like they're gonna seize assets but like you give them the device and then you still have a seed phrase backup or somewhere else. And then you can restore the device and move the funds elsewhere. So it's going to be like a learning curve on their part of like, oh, we have the device, we have the Bitcoin, whatever. And, you know, I still think people are going to be able to get away with it. And also they have, if you have a collaborative multi-sig, it's very difficult for them to confiscate still if you have it and distribute it in different places. We have one last story before we get bring on Eric Dale. I'm going to hit it real, real quick. So there is a new Dutch law being proposed. Obviously, we just had Bitcoin Amsterdam in the Netherlands. It says that banks need to monitor all payments from 100 euros or more in value. This is connected to the planted CBDCs where small payments will still be anonymous while all larger payments will be registered and monitored. Basically, what they're trying to do is they're trying to limit all transactions of 100 and more by in collaboration with the banks. And then smaller payments will be allowed, but... Um, yeah, I think this is crazy. They're going to be trying to roll out CBDCs and be like, hey, use these CBDCs for the smaller payments. But yeah, the, anything larger than $100 or 100 euros or more, we're going to need to track those, you know, track bank transfers, their equivalent of Venmo or Cash App or Zelle or whatever apps that they're using over there. Opt out of their system, use Bitcoin. That's just my two sats. Yeah, I mean, look, all those Amsterdam coffee shops definitely have my banking information now, that's for damn sure. But I do want to touch on one last story. I know that Eric is waiting very patiently. There was an election, however, and a very, very significant election down in Brazil, where the challenging candidate Bolsonaro, the left leftist, left-leaning candidate, has officially won and been declared the winner, defeating the incumbent Bolsonaro. This was done in a very narrow margin and some things just to be aware of. Bolsonaro was very, very, very loud and against the vaccine. He was at odds with the WEF for quite some time, but most notably, and I think this is where I always like to point these things out, he was instrumental in pushing forward the BRICS sort of conglomerate, Brazil, Russia, Iran, China, and I'm forgetting who's the S in that. Someone in the chats will remind me who the S in BRICS is, but the BRICS has been instrumental in push, or I think it's Saudi Arabia. It's been instrumental in pushing forward a and destroying the petrodollar. They are the ones that are pushing forward the petro ruble. They're the ones pushing forward the petro riani or uh, whichever one it was under the Chinese or the petro real. Um, South Africa. Thank you. So, it is important to note, and while I don't want to feed into conspiracy theories, while I don't want to say, oh, the election was stolen, it is very, very significant that someone who is against the control and the power of the West was forced out of his presidency. 
I will say this to every single person. First off, any person on the left who is upset about people on the right who deny the election, shut the fuck up. We spent four years claiming that Russia stole our election here to put Donald Trump in power. You can sit for two more years and let these people bitch and moan about why Donald Trump wasn't reelected. First and foremost. Secondly, there's no fucking such thing as the powers that be who decide elections. If they existed, Donald Trump would have never fucking been elected in the first place. Let's not kid ourselves about that. So that's all I kind of have to say about these things. Hammersaw, I disagree. I'm so anti the petrodollar that like that's sort of if you're anti the petrodollar, like I salute you. I support your endeavors. I'm gonna wrap up news and notes because we've gone five minutes over. I want to remind everyone listening and watching right now tickets to bitcoin 2023 are available we are going back to miami from may 18th to the 20th lock in your tickets now and use promo code bm live you are not going to want to miss bitcoin disneyland in miami in may 2023 hey guys this is q from bitcoin magazine live if you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. The censorship-resistant issue of the Bitcoin Magazine print edition is available now. Grab your copy at your local Barnes & Noble store or head on over to the Bitcoin Magazine store and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your order today.